Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I am joined by... This is Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And this is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. And as we were talking about before we started recording, we're just going to kind of wing this a little bit. This is this is high quality, professional podcasting. Hey, and speaking of that, I wanted to uh, just let our listeners know that uh, apologies for the low audio quality and low volume of the last episode. I realize it's about as hard to listen to as a Joel Osteen sermon. Uh, uh, We we had some. Them for schnickiness going on with uh, with the inputs. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, but no more. The kinks ironed out. Yeah, but no more. Uh, yeah. So John, well, kind has, of. I mean, we're we're going via remote today. So like, right. You know. Yeah. So John has no idea what we're talking about. Absolutely Bradley, no Bradley, and I talked about this Sunday after church, and he's apparently forgotten. Uh, but I thought it was a good <laughs> idea to get pretty practical for once. No, it's all practical, but in terms of actually how we go about doing things, like specific action plans of how we prepare for Sunday morning services. Mm. Uh, A lot of people just kind of do what we're doing right now and just kind of make it up as they go along. Uh, They wake up 20 minutes before, oh crap, I got to throw some clothes on and uh oh man i guess i gotta let the dogs out too and and they they come into church and they're kind of rushing in and whether it's whether you're in the worship band or preaching or whether you're just arriving like a lot of people just kind of wing it and then they end up kind of flustered when they get into church so any anybody have any thoughts about that i used to be that I used to be that guy. Uh, thankfully, not in my my adult life. Well, not in my real adult life, anyways. Uh, I was that way in college uh, quite often, actually. Um, I, uh, I I led one of the the bands uh, on on campus. We played for uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we had this praise and worship service, um, kind of student led thing, and then Friday morning chapels and and whatnot. Um, and uh, sometimes it would be me dragging my butt out of bed at, you know, 9.10 for a 9.30 chapel, and the rest of my band, would they be absolutely picked at me? Uh, why why we never broke apart because of that, I you know, it's beyond me, grace of God, I suppose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was definitely that guy, and it wasn't for lack of caring. I mean, I spent all my free time working on this stuff. Um, I, I think it was a lack of maturity. Yeah. Uh and that's not a lack of maturity in the sense that I uh, that I wasn't uh, wise enough to realize the importance of what was going on, uh, but I didn't make a connection to that importance. I didn't see myself necessarily uh, intrinsically as um, I don't know. I mean, I I had an important role as the band leader, but there was just a certain amount of responsibility there. I just didn't didn't assume, uh, even though I was passionate for it and driven for it, I just wasn't, like I said, mature enough, uh, to, to make the math work out. So I've been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. 
What about you, Bradley? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would echo what John's saying is that there, there's definitely been a season in my life where um, preparedness was not, I don't know, I just wasn't doing that well um, from, from a lot of different standpoints. Um, and I think there are obviously different personality types. Some people are just bent towards being prepared and then others mm -hmm. aren't. And it's interesting to me that, uh, and I, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, although this is going to sound that way, is that artists, you know, in general, um, at least the ones that I've known um, <laughs> in my lifetime, being prepared, being ahead of the game, being intentional um, about all of the details is not something that tends to come naturally to them. Right. I mean, one of the best musicians that I've ever personally known and played with is the most late guy. The mo he was he was late to my wedding. I was I was literally going to punch him in the face when he finally arrived. Uh, but he was he was late to my wedding uh, because he was brushing his teeth. You know, it, it's that, that's what he said when he got there, and that's that's typical, I think, of artists. Um, and I think in in ministry, I think we. You know, whereas we might think of being prepared as I need to know the notes that I'm supposed to play or the notes that I'm supposed to sing, or if I'm preaching, I need to have really wrestled with the text that I'm preaching from. Uh, and we may not think about these other little natural things that do play a part um, in, in how how does my morning go? How prepared am I to go through the steps necessary to actually get to the platform? Um, yeah. and, and do what, what it is that God's gifted me to do. Those things are important, and I think they do tend to get neglected. Yeah, It's almost is... like a, the difference between being prepared uh, for vocation, being technically prepared for whatever it may be, and then being prepared to be a leader. Exactly. U using that vocation, using that technical mm -hmm. ability. Yeah, mm -hmm. and this is, this is one of those things that I've actually done relatively well just because I know that I'm not a morning person by any stretch of the imagination. And if we have to start our rehearsals at 745 for a 930 service, then I'm going to have to get up probably about 630 to give myself adequate time to not want to punch somebody in the face when I get to church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, I wake up and, and I'm typically not in the best of moods. Uh, <laughs> some Sometimes it's better than others, but... Let me get my dang coffee in my system <laughs> beforehand, and uh, so it's it's really kind of even turned into a, a routine, at least for me, in terms of uh, practical steps of Saturday night. Like I make sure and go ahead and put out my clothes, uh, so yeah. I don't have to even. I do think the same thing. That. Yeah, it's all right. Here they are. Throw them on. Uh, I'm I'm setting multiple alarms <laughs> just mm -hmm. in case um, <laughs> because it has been known to happen. People sometimes sleep through alarms, so I'm trying to make sure yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> uh, and then in terms of, of my guitar stuff, like I have that already by the door. So mm -hmm. it's it's only a, a couple of trips that are shorter as opposed to having to wind all the way through the house my office where all my guitar stuff is like everything's in the case all the cables are wound up properly etc and and it's it's ready to go so then by sunday morning it's 
it's all right. I don't even have to think about those things that mm-hmm. I had to do Saturday night. What about you guys? I, I do the same thing. I mean, I, um, it, I, like I told you, we, we talked about this Sunday morning. I told mm-hmm. you that, you know, the, the shirt that I had on during service was ironed and put in my truck the night before. Um, it, it, because I don't, I don't typically wear it until right before cause it gets wrinkled and I'm just a little OCD about that. You know, mm-hmm. if I, um, <laughs> yeah, so when that, you said that, I was like, what's ironing? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot faster. stand, I cannot stand a wrinkled shirt. It's just, it's just weird for me. But, um, so I, I make sure I iron the night before and I, I, I get my clothes out. Um, you know, this is something that I do. I'm not saying everybody has to do it, but, um, I, when I first became a teaching pastor, I, I used to just arrive at church, you know, 30 minutes, an hour before service time, uh, because I'm not necessarily a morning person by nature either. Um, but I just found that, you know, I would get to church and, you know, something would go wrong with the sound system or, somebody would come to me with something and they need something. And, and, and before you knew it, that whole hour that I got there early was taking up with other things. Uh, and it's not like my sermon wasn't written and prepared and, uh, you know, I have everything ready to go, but I, I like to just have a good solid hour, hour and a half of just me and the Lord and the text and, the notes that I've made um, before anybody starts asking me about anything else. And so I, I get to our services right now start at nine 30 and 11. And I'm usually in my office by six, 6 AM, six 30 uh, at the latest. Um, Which I and, can't even, I can't even fathom that right now. <laughs> but you know, what's funny is I've grown to love it. Um, yeah. It, it, I love getting in my office I get here and I make some good coffee and I know not every, everybody has that luxury. There are pastors that show up and they don't know if, but what the state's going to come in and arrest them. Um, so I, I, I acknowledge some of the luxuries that I enjoy where I, where I pastor, but I come in and, and it's dark and, uh, outside and I'm in my office. My office is, you know, um, very cozy and I've got, my coffee and my Bible and my notes, and it's just quiet and nobody's here, but me and the Lord. And I just, that is one of my favorite times of the week. Um, I enjoy that sometimes as much as I enjoy preaching is just that, that time on Sunday morning before the service starts. And it helps me be more prepared. My mind is clear. And as weird as it sounds, even though I've gotten less sleep, I feel more rested doing what it is that um god's called me and gifted me to do yeah i can i can definitely relate to that as well uh i guess uh, i'll chime in my saturday night isn't really much of a routine i'll set my clothes out usually my gear is already at the church of if i if i left it there uh thursday um you are a far more trusting person than i am we've uh um you know my gear is fully insured uh for one um and also, uh, the since we have a a large elementary school uh, as part of our ministry at Christ Lincoln, uh, we also have pretty stringent security as well uh, because our worship space uh, for two eleven worship is also the gymnasium uh, during the week, uh, so that is uh, that is locked uh, pretty tightly. 
uh, we haven't had theft issues in, in years uh, by the grace of God, which is awesome. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll bring a, a backup guitar or, or something with me on, on Sunday morning, and I'll have that ready to go. Um, it's just a lot to get out the door. And sometimes I'll take my kids with me in the morning. Uh, they usually help the greeters and ushers and whatnot get things set up and steal some cookies and donuts here and there. Um, Sunday morning, you know, when I first started uh, being a regular uh, member of the 211 band, uh, I, uh, I wasn't the most timely uh, person. Um, I wasn't late, but I'd be like, I'd be like right then for, for sound check. And, you know, depending on how things went, you know, sound check can run up to 30 minutes before the service. And then, you know, you've got, you know, 20 minutes here or there, and then we go on stage and, and pray before the service, and then we, we, we're off to the races. Um, in, uh, in more recent uh, more recent years, I've started getting to church Bradley about the same time, between 6 and 7, um, mm-hmm. to get my gear set up, lined in, make sure my partner, I, yeah, I know, Cody, you don't do that. Sorry. Just think between six and seven for me is between like seven and eight for you. So it's a little more reasonable. <laughs> right. Um, if I'm showing but, up you know, at eight, I'm getting yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, I'll make sure my gear's lined in, um, you know, that my settings haven't you know, changed for whatever reason, you know, if I need a fresh set of strings, I'll throw them on, you know, just run through stuff like that. Um, usually one of our drummers is, is there early if, if uh, Matt's playing and he'll, uh, um, he'll run through his stuff as well. So it's a nice opportunity to get some, um, you know, just warm up a bit uh, before we come together as the whole band for sound check. And, uh, and that has become, oh, and, and before then I also do, uh, I also make coffee. So every, mm-hmm. every Sunday on, that's kind of my thing. I, I make, I make coffee back in the, in the green room, the worship leader's office, um, just is something to do, uh, cause the church coffee is, yeah, uh, complimentary. It's the church <laughs> coffee. Um, but that has become a, you know, a routine for me and I found it immensely helpful to have that routine because it gives me that additional time, not only in, in prayer, but just also in idle conversation uh, with the other band members. Um, because in my experience, one of the most important things that can be done in a worship team, whether it be just the musicians or the pastors or whoever is cultivating that community and that relationship. And, uh, when we've had, uh, time to, to chat and be friends with one another. Um, you know, we're, we're almost always a better band with one another. And so, um, you know, that concept of a morning routine and, and sticking to it, uh, just by nature has been super helpful and valuable. You know, you, that's really important with the, uh, cultivating community among your, among your team, like making sure you're not grumpy so you can actually be friendly Oh, of and, course. And we've we I think we've done a pretty good job of that here at Res, where uh, I mean we even actively make fun of each other while <laughs> while someone is playing a wrong note. Right. <laughs> and Brad, Bradley, we were making fun of Aaron for hitting some dingers on on bass yeah. this week, and and typically everybody knows when something has gone wrong because the aforementioned Aaron and I will take a step back, look at each other, and laugh about it. 
and mm-hmm. then go back up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always love the the knowing glances that when something goes sour, we just kind of look around and be like, um, should should we tell them? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some, yeah. but sometimes, but sometimes you just gotta laugh at it. You know, oh, completely. I'm not saying, yeah, I think we, we always pretty much do. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. go ahead, Bradley. Well, if, if you think about, uh, you know, the why behind all of this, which I think is really important, um, it, it, is that we're, we, we want to remove unnecessary hindrances, obstacles, and stumbling blocks from doing the ministry that, you know, God is invited us to participate with him in. Um, you know, as we were talking, I was just thinking about First uh, Corinthians 9, where Paul says, you know, to the Jew, I became as a Jew um, in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. And then he talks about those not under the law, I became like one not under the law. And what's the principle there is that he, he says, I'm removing every unnecessary stumbling block or hindrance. So that what he goes on to talk about so that I can run the race well, you know, verse 24, of that same chapter. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? I mean, Ricky Bobby was not original. If you're first, you're, la- <laughs> you know, if you're not first, you're last. And Paul, Paul came up with that first. And, and I don't think Paul, <laughs> I don't think Paul is, uh, is saying that the same way Ricky Bobby did, obviously. But I think what Paul is saying is that, you know, the goal here in the race that God has marked out for us is to do the absolute best that we can. And, and, and that's what, you know, that we, we, we do, we, we remove every unnecessary obstacle. We run the race to the best of our ability. And, and Paul even says, you know, I, I discipline my body to keep it under control because I don't want to be disqualified. So all those natural efforts are not inconsequential. Um, They're not the things that in and of themselves lead to life transformation. I mean, we we are dependent on the spirit to work in such a way through those natural efforts that, you know, eternally significant things happen. Um, But but these little natural things matter. And, And I think we've all been on worship teams where, you know, people are showing up late or showing un- showing up unprepared, or maybe they're showing up right on time, having rushed out the door. And it's not that that is a complete um, disaster every time, but you know, those things can affect the the climate and the atmosphere of the whole team and the attitude of the whole team when one or two people are just you know not paying attention to these little natural things that lead up to the ministry we do on Sunday morning. Um, so there's a scriptural basis for why this is important. I think anyway, are you, are you also setting yourself up to make a Ricky Bobby reference in a future sermon? Absolutely. I mean, we've had in the time I've been at res, you've made two dumb and dumber <laughs> references on accident. You gotta be careful with Ricky I'm Bobby though. Yeah. People Jesus come after you like a spider monkey. <laughs> Dear Lord, baby Jesus. <laughs> I don't think that one would go. Had an Advent sermon. Yeah, there you go. There we go. That's the title of Advent this Way year. Way to reel that Dear in, Lord, Jane. baby Jesus. <laughs> nice. Hey, so... Um, you know, speaking about, you know, band members who show up late or, or are unprepared, um, 
What do you Are do? Are you about to call somebody that? out right now? No, no. The, oh, okay. I mean, they, they know. They know. You, those of you listening uh, know who you are. Mm-hmm. And what, what do we do with a situation like that, you know, where we have either someone who, you know, just doesn't show up on time and kind of, you know, takes that, that routine, you know, that we talked about and, and uh, kind of just tosses it uh, to the wind, you know, delays sound check or whatever it may be, um, or, uh, or someone who just isn't as prepared musically technically as they as they should be um i mean i i don't know how you guys do it at res i know that it at christ we have uh um almost a, a rotational band uh where members will uh come in and out just based upon weekly schedules um and uh you know in in that sort of setup i mean there's there's always the the chance that you know someone just isn't going to find the time uh, to, to practice, um, you know, is this an opportunity for, uh, some, some tough love and be like, Hey, you know, we are striving for, for excellence and, uh, and we want to be able to bring our best so that we may serve our best. Um, or, or is it something, do we, do we approach it more with, with understanding like, Oh yeah, you know, I know, I know, you know, I heard your kid's been sick and you know, so on and so forth. I mean, what's, and I, I don't have an answer here. I mean, this this is this is far from just a rhetorical question. Um, what 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 do you do? I think it definitely depends on the situation. Um, there obviously has to be a level of of grace involved, um, sure. and there there's always the possibility of things being addressed without actually addressing them too. Uh, where we had um, previously, we had a guy who played guitar and I'm trying to leave out details as many as possible. And he was big on improv. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that except when, you know, somebody else has planned to play mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a guitar <laughs> yeah. part that's actually in the song in that same sonic range. And uh, so we ended up getting a, a subscription service along the lines of worship artistry and all that kind of good stuff out there. And uh, we were just like, all right, so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start using this site as much as possible, at least to, to use these parts. And it mostly got ironed out. So it was really just kind of providing a framework uh, for people to operate in because uh, some, you know, everybody comes from different musical backgrounds in the first place. This guy was absolutely. Uh, this guy was big into uh, stuff like Paul Gilbert and Steve Vai, if I remember correctly, as opposed to me coming from a punk and metal background, which is <laughs> entirely different. Uh, which also explains why we. So you're saying play. this musician actually knew more than just eighth notes, right? <laughs> and, and more than a juchuka juchuka kind of drum beat, right? Right. And uh, or breakdowns in in open drop D chords. <laughs> um, but anyway, we, yeah, we just provided the framework and by and large, that problem kind of took care of itself. And we ended up nice. much more on the same page. But there's definitely other times. And uh, Bradley, I know you've done some more proper music directing. Uh, I know that there's other times where you kind of have to outright address it, right? Yeah, I mean. The situation that you bring up is good is a good example of um, when there's a difference of maybe philosophy or right yeah um, just musical approach in general because what what wasn't true of of the person you're mentioning was that 
he wasn't showing up late. Right. Um, and, and really wasn't showing up necessarily unprepared. He just wasn't used to the way we prepare. He, he mm -hmm. prepared like he had obviously listened to the music more often than not and really digested it, but wasn't yep. really getting the fact that if we've got two electrics on stage, there's got to be some complimenting going on there. He had just never been in that kind of environment. He, yeah. he, I think he was used to playing in a band where he was probably the best musician on the stage because the guy had an incredible ear. Yeah. Um, and he could just sort of do whatever he wanted. Um, but I think, John, you're kind of what you're bringing up is when someone is habitually late, habitually unprepared, and there's an issue of, of either character or maturity or both going on. Um, you know, I think of Paul's words in First Thessalonians 5 when he says, um, you know, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak and be patient with them all. So there's three different pe types of people he mentions there. Um, the idol, which actually that word means unruly. So an admonishment is not a pat on the back. Admonishment is the tough love. So to the, to the person who is unruly and is just defiant, rebellious, I'm not going to show up on time. Uh, you can't tell me when to be there. That person needs some admonishment. Um, and they need to be reminded of the why, and and they need to be reminded that look, we're not we're not going to compromise excellence because your uh, your attitude and ethics are different. You know, it's just that person needs to be admonished. The then it says encourage the faint-hearted, which that's the person who's just I just can't be on time. I just I've tried and I've tried. You know, they're they're giving up. Um, that that or person maybe that. needs to be. Or maybe that person who has no confidence in their abilities. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that needs encouragement. They need to be built up because they're fainthearted. And then help the weak. That's the person that's incapable. The fainthearted is capable but discouraged. The unruly is capable but hasn't been disciplined and isn't mature or lacks character. Um, the weak is incapable. And that person needs to be helped. Um, and you know, w whatever way we can help them. And then the final exhortation is be patient with them all. Uh, and I just think I've, I've always found that verse helpful because I agree with you, Cody, is that context is important and some people are being unruly. Some are just discouraged. Others are weak, but, and they, and we need to deal with each one differently, but all we need to be patient with all of them. Hmm. You know, I think that, uh, that just again reinforces the importance of of building a community mm -hmm. amongst your group. Um, so, the, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone is you know best friends and goes play Mario Kart together on Friday night, but um, I mean, which is <laughs> that's which only is for like the most intimate friendships, right? That's, that's inner circle. <laughs> yeah, that's inner circle. That's what I was looking but, for. <clears throat> but that sense of community that that we you know we uh, we rise and fall together. You know, we care for one another. We're, you know, we're there to build one another up. And I, I think that, you know, is really, you know, built upon coming with a, a humble heart, uh, not a, you know, not a uh, unconfident heart, but a humble one. And, uh, and then going from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, on so one note. thing. Oh. <laughs> oh, go ahead. 
Go ahead. I was going to just pop in just for a, just a couple extra minutes here. Um, you know, Cody, you'd mentioned uh, about, you know, or actually Bradley, it was you, you know, two electric guitars playing something in the same uh, sonic space. It was both of you, actually, the same sonic space. Um, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot, especially with like uh, younger musicians just who haven't mm -hmm. been in the group setting uh, mm -hmm. so often. Um you know, where, I mean, we even have uh, this issue at, uh, at, at Christ uh, it, at times. I, I helped out uh, my, uh, my old university um, a couple weeks back uh, for their, that, that praise, that student-led service. Um, and, you know, kind of the common theme here isn't that anyone's playing anything bad, just they're all playing the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this with the episode of Worship, Worship Artistry and, and Jason, um, about, you know, playing too much. Uh, but I think there's also something to be said for um, playing too much uh, the same as as other people. And uh, I don't know if this is, is necessarily a practical tip as much as it just is um, something uh, that we want to encourage our listeners and everyone to be mindful of, and that is listen to what the other people are playing as well. And, and you know, we all want to compliment, you know, yes. the, the song. In, in every musical arrangement, there's the cake. Um, I, this is a Paul Blosh reference. In every musical arrangement, there's there's the the cake, which is rhythm guitar or acoustic guitar or piano, and then your bass, and then your your percussion section, your drums, um, and then everything else on top of that is is icing. You can you can have a cake with without icing, without frosting, uh, but it's better with it. But it's mm -hmm. not better when it's all frosting. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. I've, I've Are you sure? Liberties there. <laughs> I'm fair. Sometimes I'm you just got to eat a frosting cake, man. But you know, John, it's, and it's sometimes you get diabetes. I mean, I'm not saying that <laughs> right. you can't. I'm just saying it may be wise. Yeah. But, you know, let, uh, let me say something to the keyboard players out there. Um, because I, that's my first instrument was piano, keyboard. And I'm old enough that I've come through, you know, a couple of different generations of praise and worship music where when I first started, the piano was always the cake and whatever guitar players I had playing with me, they were always the icing. And then over time, um, we saw it shift more to the guitars really having the cake and the keyboards became the icing. And particularly with the praise and worship music of the last, you know, five, 10 years or so, um, you, you go to sites like worship artistry or what's the other one we use worship online, worship, online, uh, worship yeah, initiative, et cetera. And you look, and you look stuff. at, you look at the individual videos and you see what the keyboards are doing. in a lot of those, uh, songs, some of them, the keyboards are, are, are playing the icing role. Whereas the, the two guitars together or more are really making up the cake and to keyboard players, you you need to watch what sonic range you're in as well, because some of those uh, some of those guitar riffs and and even the rhythm guitars carrying the the bulk of the weight of that song. You need to be in a different register than what you're used to playing in, just now, to vary the, the tone. I completely agree. I mean, one of the one of the images that that I like is um, you know usually when when people are all playing on top of one another, uh, that keyboard player is right in the middle of the right uh, in the middle, you know, and um, so, you know, I, I'll use the image of spreading your arms out, you know, mm -hmm. going up a register and lower register. Um, but that also is like, oh, well, you know, more freedom. You know, it's kind of a, um, you know, a mnemonic device in that sense. 
Um, you know, further expanding on that uh, that image of of the cake, that metaphor is not only can can keyboard be the icing, um, but with certain voicings and uh, and techniques, namely uh, pads, uh, it can be it can be the cake plate. You know right. that that, that things rest upon. I know that uh, um, you know I've mentioned before that um, now when I do solo stuff. I always have pads running behind. Um, shout out to worshiptutorials.com. Uh, they, you know, them among others, you know, make those uh, those available uh, for for purchase, and they're super helpful um, for you know for a situation where uh, you want a fuller sound, but you don't want to use or buy tracks, and you don't have enough musicians, you know. So for those of you who do, you know, who are just a piano and guitar, the or, or keyboarding guitar, the the voicing, sh you know, shouldn't always be relegated to you know acoustic guitar and then concert grand. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> there's, um, I, I think it's this is a bit of an encouragement to uh, you know do justice to the song, but at the same time, you know, do justice to yourself and the other musicians as well by opening your arms up, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, on whatever instrument you may be. Uh, maybe on, so yeah. Pro tip. Good stuff, man. We had we even had a nice little transition in there, and we totally just made this episode up on the fly. Yes, we <laughs> did. <laughs> it was good. It's like we've been doing this a minute or something. All yeah. uh, sixteen <laughs> episodes now. Sixteen uh, episodes. Yeah. So I guess let's start wrapping it up. Uh, John, what's your recommended reading, or did you even think of anything? I didn't even think of anything. How was I supposed to? I didn't know what we were talking about. one pathetic loser. Dude, come <laughs> on, man. Read the 1689 London Baptist Confession. There, are you happy? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with that. If I can get a Lutheran to tell somebody to read the 1689, I'm not going to complain. I didn't say confess it. I said read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if somebody's, look, if somebody's looking for a good version of the 1689, Founders, what is it? Founders.org. Now I'm gonna have to type into my computer right next. I think, to my, yeah, I yeah, think Founders.org has a modern English version of the 1689, and it's super helpful, and it's not nearly as hard to get through. You know who also also has a very versatile version of the 1689? Who's Westminster that? Effects. Westminster Effects has <laughs> got the 1689 overdrive pedal, voice like your favorite tube screamer style pedals of the last, you know, how many, how many ever decades years or something. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> buy it, or better yet, buy an E89 so you get that in the juicy tones of puritanism <laughs> uh, right alongside. You're you're promoting me better than I'm promoting myself. What is this? <laughs> oh, I'm uh, Bradley, I'm, I'm just banking on a free T-shirt, bro. That's all. I already sent it to you. No way. Seriously? <laughs> I was just yeah. joshing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And you're on the nice. podcast. Why would I not give you a t-shirt? Come on, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so back on the rails, Bradley. Well, um, obviously, since I couldn't remember what we were talking about today, I didn't pick a book um, to read. Yeah, but I tell, you what I, I tell you what I real, will recommend. Um, I'm going to recommend two passages of scripture um, that I think, I think are helpful in, 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 in terms of what we're talking about. Um, first one that comes to mind is 1 Peter 4, uh, when Peter talks about um, 
the particularly verse seven, you know, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Uh, above all, keep loving one another. He talks about love covers a multitude of sins. And then verse ten, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Um, that's so helpful to me because I, I've, I've, Cody knows this. I've told our worship team and I've told worship teams over the years that I've been a part of, you know, it's a privilege. It's, it's, it is an extension of grace that we get to do what we do. We didn't earn um, the right to be worship leaders or part of worship bands and praise teams. And we certainly did not do anything to earn the gifts and talents that God's given us. Uh, those you are, mean we didn't, you mean we didn't activate those? <laughs> no, that's a discussion for another day. But <laughs> <laughs> they, these, these gifts and these opportunities are extensions of God's grace mm -hmm. and, um, great. We know what grace is. Um, it, it's, it's the favor of God that has a powerful effect. Um, we, we have been, we've been given grace and the, the admonishment from Peter is to steward those gifts, those gracious gifts, well, steward them. Um, you know, like he says, whoever speaks, speak as one who speaks the oracles of God. And you think about who we are as worship leaders and what we do. We're, we're proclaiming the truth of God. We're, 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 we, we are declaring an oracle of God when we sing, um, how great is our God and, um, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. These are, these are eternally significant, um, cosmically powerful truths um, that are about the one true God. And so um, I think if, if someone out there listening uh, has members of a team that are struggling with some of these, um, you know, natural things, or maybe someone listening is struggling with that, live in 1 Peter 4 and, and remind yourself uh, of what it is that you've the, the opportunity you've get, been given and the gift that you've been given. Uh, another passage to live in um, when you think about spiritual gifts, which I, I mean, again, a topic for another day, I think leading worship is a spiritual gift. I think any, any kind of spiritual gift is when there's something natural being done, whether it be speaking or singing or playing an instrument, that's a natural thing that has a supernatural edge on it because of the spirit's work in it. And so if you want to be reminded of what it is we're actually doing, I think first Peter four and also first Corinthians 12 through 14, um, remind us that, you know, the God, the Holy spirit longs to work in and through each and every one of us in supernatural ways. And I think leading worship is one of those. And, um, it's a, it's a gift of grace that we need to steward well. So there's some Bible passages to live in. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's fairly providential because my recommended reading this week is the Reformation Study Bible put out by Ligonier as one of my Sunday morning habits when I am drinking coffee and maybe feeding and letting out dogs and all that good stuff is I like to go into planning center and see, hey, what's Bradley preaching about this week? Mm -hmm. And I'll go ahead and read that text, often from the Reformation Study Bible with their accompanying commentary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes I will uh, try and guess what's going to be 
what's going to be emphasized. Sometimes it's fairly easy to tell, especially with uh, sermon titles and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I get it totally wrong. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's like Lee Corso's picks on Saturday mornings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Another good segue. Yeah, with, with fewer mascot heads. There you uh, go. <laughs> I don't have any of those at the moment, but you don't know that I'm not planning on getting any. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Reformation Study Bible, it also has, um, in the in the rear portion, it also has uh, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Chalcedonian Creed, Athanasian Creed, uh, Westminster Confession. Uh, it does have the 1689. It's uh, got the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, etc. Like it's loaded with resources right there in front of you. Like you don't even have to pull out your phone. It's just, Oh, let me flip a couple pages and I'm right here. That's a great Bible. I've got one. And I just saw last night, I think on Facebook that Crossways come out with this, uh, uh, new journaling Bible. That's it's called the inductive, uh, journaling Bible ESV, um, that it's only the new Testament, but it has space in between each line. Uh, oh, wow. I ordered three of them today for all three pastors here at Res. Um, now those are for those are for notes and not those times that you hear quote Jesus calling, right? Exactly. <laughs> did y'all see the Babylon B? I did. Yeah. Where, where Jesus calling got canonized? <laughs> yeah. <That was laughs> if you're gonna make those claims, yeah. let's be honest about it. But yeah, that's that's a uh, that's straight uh, Piper look at the book material there. And mm. and you know what? They're only thirty. $33, 34 Oh, that's incredible. And man. they're on Amazon, so put a link. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. You're killing me. I got to get one for myself now. Yeah, I ordered three today, so. Especially now that we're in Romans. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's a nice happenstance. There's three of us. Bradley, are you going to get something for us? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me pray, see if I get led that direction. <laughs> Well, with that, I think it's about time. <laughs> On that note, if you're actively writing and performing music, I'd like to be an official Westminster artist and even get your song played at the end of one of these podcasts, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Uh, I decided this week I'm going to shamelessly self-promote again uh, since I did last week, and that sounded kind of cool. Uh, so this week, this is my cover of Cold Cash and Colder Hearts by Thrice which features the Osteen distortion and Spurgeon Hall reverb. So have a listen to this. It's it's about to get a little bit loud, just, just a heads up. So follow <laughs> us and comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, and leave a five-star review as always. Thanks for listening. 